0: And welcome to Through the Eyes of the Guide, a podcast dedicated to guides and tour managers around the world. A program to share tips and tricks, information, and to know more about this beautiful community. My name is Nicole Flores, your host, also known as Niki Flo, in social media. I'm a qualified local guide in Santiago de Chile since 1998 and a tour leader, tour conductor, since 2006. Welcome to the program. Hello, 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 and welcome to a new episode. Before we start, I want to mention that in a few days, I'm planning to do a, some podcast episodes in French to our Francophones listeners. So if you want to participate, please contact the Facebook page of Through the Eyes of the Guides under the same name. Today, we are going to Kyoto in Japan to meet Koko iju she works as a local guide since 2006 and works with private groups, mainly in Kyoto and surroundings. Today, she runs a company that organizes private tours in Kyoto, Tokyo, Hiroshima, and Kanazawa. Her business partner is Chris Rothorn, the former herd writer of Lonely Planet Japan Edition and Keiko Hakiwara. In the past, she worked as an overseas telephone operator and also worked in the airline industry. After that, she worked to teach basic English to the people in the tourism service field, such hotel staff and restaurant staff. She wrote two books for the Japanese market, one of them of the use of the proper English for hotel staff, and the other, it's about how to prepare for tours with the emphasis on how to make tours enjoyable and comfortable for foreign tourists in Japan. Welcome to Koko Iju In! Hello, Coco. How are you?
1: <laughs> Hello, Nicole. Yes, I have a difficult family name. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying. Thank you, Coco. Please uh, let us know where are you now. Okay, let me tell you. I live in Kyoto. And uh, some people may not know. So Tokyo is the capital of Japan. It has been the capital for the last 150 years. But actually, Kyoto was the capital before that for over 1000 years. And the city was not damaged during World War Two. So we have a lot of historical sites. And because it's been a capital for a long time and serving for the emperors and the people here, uh, we have a lot of traditional cultures and artisans. Ah, that's nice. Yes, it's a a very
0: um, popular destination, even from the domestic Japanese tourists. I think it's the second most important destination after Tokyo, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, Yeah. I heard that last time. All right, so first question, I want to know, why uh, you became a guide, Koko? And also, if you can let us know a little more for the audience, how do you became a guide in, in Japan in general? Okay. First of
1: all, I became a guide in 2006, as you said, because I've always enjoyed taking care of visitors from other countries or other cities in Japan. And also because I grew up in several different countries when I was growing um, with my family for my father's work as I was growing up, we often had visitors from Japan to the country that where I was living. And I would take those visitors around. So I ha- I already had experience as a, a private guide, unpaid, <laughs> and and I've always enjoyed it. So I wanted to do... Be able to give tours to the foreign guests, take them to the local sites, and and see the different parts of Japan where they could not have found on their own. Oh,
0: that's
1: nice. And uh, let me tell you a little bit about becoming an interpreter tour guide in Japan. We call them not just tour guide but interpreter tour guides, which means you're a licensed tour guide for foreign visitors. Uh, we have something called national license. I'm an English interpreter tour guide, and there are other languages as well. And we have to take exams in that language that you choose, and then also history, geography, and general knowledge. Uh, it it was quite difficult when I had to take that exam. Um, when I first became a guide, there were only about 7 million foreign tourists into Japan. And last year, we had 31 million. Wow. That's
0: a huge increase. So, it,
1: Yes, huge increase. So when I first became a guide, there were only about 1,000 interpreter tour guides, licensed ones. But now we have over 26,000.
0: 26,000. 26, oh, wow. <laughs> yes. So, go ahead. You study that in the university. There is an special institution, or there is a school for guides. How it uh, works? At uh, that time,
1: there was no such department in university or colleges. So we went to a special school mm-hmm. just to study intense study. However, a lot of people are also studying at home, and uh, you know, we have so many books about the uh, interpreter tour guide exams every year. So you can study at home. But for me, it was easier to go to school and learn with other people. That was fun. So right now, we have another kind of interpreter license that is called regional license to interpret a tour guide. And those people are only licensed to guide paid uh, within the uh, area that they went for, for Oh, Okay. Mm. Nice.
0: Um, I'm gonna ask you before we keep going, um, very briefly about the situation of uh, the pandemic right now, how it's affecting your job, and also if the, I mean, I don't know if you belong to any guides association, and uh, and also if the government is uh, giving any kind of help to the guides because most of us we are freelancers. So, yes. I'm I'm interesting to hear more about that. Well, since this uh, COVID nineteen, our uh, inbound tourism
1: is very, very badly damaged. At the moment, we have no tourists into Japan. So a lot of um, inbound travel agents is changing the business for domestic tourists. <laughs> and um, as a guide myself, uh, really, we don't have any work, any tours. So of course. a lot of my guide friends are... Putting this time on studying about Japan so that they could be able to explain more about Japan. Um, right now, as of now, we have about 80,000 confirmed cases, COVID-19. And unfortunately, we have lost 1,500 lives. Mm-hmm. But people are still, the, the number sounds very low, but it's very serious in Japan. People take it very seriously. Uh, we still wear masks, try to keep the safe distance, and avoid dining in big groups. Um, recently, the shows and movie theaters reopened with with uh, extreme safety measures, of course, like blocking the seats so that only like half of the audience are allowed in. And uh, recently, the Tokyo people <laughs> are allowed to travel to, uh, not allowed to, I should say, Um, they, it's okay for Tokyo people to travel within domestic areas. But before that, the governor of Tokyo kind of uh, discouraged everybody to go out of Tokyo and spread the COVID. And is the government giving any help to the guides? Mm. If you are self-freelance tour guides or anyone who is badly damaged due to this COVID, we are getting some subsidies, but it's very small very small it's not it's not enough to be, for us to be able to live one whole year mm-hmm. you know it we haven't my last tour was very beginning of march in january and february is a very slow ma- month for travelers to japan and therefore we were already in the off season and since then we, we haven't had any and it's unlikely that we're going to have any next month
0: either it's the world situation, yeah. It is everywhere the same, so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, Koko, uh, let's go to your, your work. I mean, the places that you visit when you do tours, what kind of tours you do? What kind of uh, okay. tours you have?
1: Okay. Um, our organization, Chris on Tours, we are only giving private tours and basically walking tours. Really? Oh, nice. Yes, in each city. So you, we use uh, public transport just like any Japanese would. Uh, we don't use private cars or, so often as a, um, the Japanese people. So we want the guests to walk and do the tours just like other domestic Japanese tourists. And we take them to, for example, in Kyoto, we take them to uh, temples and shrines, these some historical sites. But Chris wants to make sure that we take them to the places that are off the beaten track. Otherwise, if we take them to the major sites only, they will be, our guests will be fit in the crowd of, Foreign tours. <laughs> you only see foreigners, not a lot of bus tours. Yes, of course. However, we have so many nice places that you could be on your own, sitting in front of a small garden or Zen garden, and feel like you're sitting there centuries ago.
0: <laughs> so, which one is your preferred tour?
1: Yes, uh, we have five different tours in Kyoto, and one of them is. Walk number two, we call it. That's one I like, is taking them into a small Zen temple where there's hardly anybody. You can sit down and enjoy the view of the Zen garden. Of course, as a guide, we have to explain a little bit, but I, I, um, not a little bit, I have to explain the meaning of it and how much work is put into it. But I always meant to make sure that um, the guests are not interrupted, by all the talking right? Uh, I want to give them a quiet moment so they can be on their own, sitting in front of the garden. And then we move on to a large Zen garden temple nearby, only one minute, two minutes walk. And you really see the difference and the, the lives of monks. You, we actually see the monks walking around and working and after that, we take them into the residential area, into the mountain, and do a bit of hiking up the hill. And this is walking up the hill of the mountain of Inari Shrine, which is the famous for vermilion shrine gates. Have you seen a tunnel of orange Yes, yes. shrine gates all lined up in the mountain? And that's the mountain. But we go in from the back of the mountain, so you're not in the crowd.
0: Um, <laughs> that's nice.
1: It's, yeah, it's really nice. And when you get to the top, we, we get a little bit of view of the city. And after that, we go down into the main entrance where it's crowded with tourists. <laughs> and, and usually we take them to local lunch venue. Of course we have to discuss where to take them with the guest. Uh, it's a totally a private tour so we make sure that they get to eat what they want
0: to eat or want to try.
1: So at the best place. If too. I take
0: the tour with you and I tell you okay take me to you know surprise me with the the number 1 dish from your destination what will be that?
1: Okay, of course, I have to ask the guests to what they have already had in Tokyo before coming into Kyoto. But if it's the ramen noodle, you know, the famous one, uh, I would take them to the local ramen noodle restaurant where it's famous for being really good. And it's often in a queue, but I know the best time to go. <laughs> and if it is um, a small, uh, how do you say, typical home, home dishes let's say if I'm eating lunch with my mother at home we'll have small dishes of vegetable fish meat rice and miso soup you know bits of, of all that that's the typical Japanese meal the variety and there are restaurants that serves like that right. so I want to make sure they get the local experience.
0: Coco um what is the number one thing you care when you are taking people in those tours what is the number one thing you care when you are guiding yes. as a, as just a guide yes. so
1: of course the safety you know comes from, same with any other guide in all over the world safety and fun and comfortable is most important but it's a private group so i want to make sure that the guests are comfortable and fun to be with me for whole day or half day or whole day or sometimes couple of days together and in order to do so I cannot be talking too long and giving lectures about each temples and religions and that. I got to make stories, make it into stories and easier to understand from a foreign view. Mm You know, there are a lot of things in Japan we take it for granted and we don't realize that that is very different from the countries that my guests are from. So I have to notice that and explain do you have an example of it? Yeah, for example, yeah, people are not talking so much on the trains and subways. <laughs> even though it's really, really crowded, you know, it, it's quite quiet, e- e- even in Tokyo. I mean, it doesn't get too crowded in Kyoto, but in Tokyo, even if it's really crowded, there's hardly anybody
0: talking. And I, <laughs> I'm so happy that you mentioned it because when I was in Tokyo, I was so shocked that I entered. I mean, in my country, you enter uh, the subway and everybody's on the phone talking or talking to the person next door. Um, And uh, in in Tokyo, it was surprised, so surprised that people was making lines, like respecting everybody, making a line to get in the subway. And then when you get inside of the subway... Um, on the train, I mean, uh, nobody speaks and everybody's respectful and nobody is on the phone or talking aloud. It's so different of most of the countries. <laughs> so I'm so happy that you mentioned it. Yes. One thing is we learn from young guys, from
1: kindergartens, we learn to behave properly in public because we don't want to be in shame. Shame is very important. Oh in japan people care about how you are looked at how you are talked about and so in public we try to uh, behave well that is not to bother other people it's very important phrase that we use not to bother
0: other people not to bother other people okay Mm, yes and
1: another thing is not talking too loud and all this this is because japan we from a long time ago, we lived in wooden buildings, right? And all the houses are all connected close to each other. So even on the street at night in the residential area, we talk quietly, make sure that the people who have a windows open nowadays uh, don't feel that there's somebody making noise outside. Mm. And that's quite common. You know? Yeah. Uh, yes. um, It had a geographical reason, actually that Japan was co- is covered by mountain. Uh, most of the... Over 70% is covered by mountain and we live in the very uh, limited
0: flat areas together. Mm. Yeah. Let me ask you something. Uh, if I ask you, okay, uh, for somebody going to Japan for the first time, what is the things they cannot miss on their luggage? What uh, is something that... <laughs> I'm not going to be sorry if I don't put it in my leg. It's <laughs> my first time going to Japan.
1: I would say uh, make sure you have your sh- comfortable shoes to walk in, especially if you have large feet, because Japanese shoe size is much smaller. A you know, woman who has a man's size in Japan has really hard time finding the woman's shoes in Japan. Next, the most important is Socks. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Socks, make sure you have clean socks, not socks with holes, because there are so many places that you have to take off your shoes to go inside the house. And at that time, it's not very polite to walk in bare feet in such places. We have to wear socks, clean socks. So um, you know, you're invited for dinner with with Japanese people, and you never expect to take your shoes off, but you do. You have there's places that you really have to take your shoes off Mm -hmm. to go into the restaurants. In some restaurants, you do. Nice. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Some restaurants, especially (laughs) in traditional cities like Kyoto, Kanazawa, Hiroshima, where we still have the old buildings. Um, very often we have to take our shoes
0: off. Well, it, it's really, really a good recommendation because I, I remember that some of our guests uh, were shocked with that too. So yeah, that's, that, that's a great. Always, uh, uh, hopefully, new shoes and, uh, and the other thing is about the size of the shoes. That is, that is a yes. key thing. I yes. mean, it's like don't expect to get yes. your hiking shoes in Japan because sizes are not matching yours, usually the Western right. size.
1: If you have 30... 30- a uh, woman's shoe size up to about thirty-seven at, at largest.
0: Yes. Okay. So, um, Coco, can you tell us a little more about uh, the blog? Uh, there is a blog that you you have that is called Inside Kyoto. So, can you tell us a little more about that? In fact, my business partner Chris
1: Rothon has this blog called www.insidekyoto like. Mm-hmm. Outside, inside, insidekyoto.com, and from there you can go and see other uh, city blogs also. But that one has a, a quite a large amount of readers, and Chris explains it from the eyes of foreign person living in Japan, right? So he knows exactly what a foreign person or Western country or English-speaking country people, when they visit Japan, what they are expecting and what they would really like. So Chris knows that. So I think the site, places that Chris recommends in such blog is would be a good hint if anybody is visiting
0: Japan. Oh, okay. And... Uh, I know that you are training guides too Mm. and uh, I'm wondering if I ask you what is the number one thing for you it's the most important to teach new guides before they get in the market. What is the the most important or maybe two, I don't know, Mm. that you teach them?
1: My students at these lectures, they're often shocked to hear when I say do not use any Japanese pronouns when they explain (laughs) <laughs> because they you know we learn the history of Japan with the names of all these historical samurais and all these. And so they are so used to using these names in Japanese, but that would be too hard. It would be too hard to catch or remember for typical visitors. Can you,
0: you know? give us an example?
1: Sure, I can give you an example. For example, let's say um, okay, here, um Ieyasu fought against Hideyoshi's family and moved the capital to Edo. (laughs) These are the things that Japanese tourist uh, interpreter, new interpreter guys would say. But if you say the two powerful samurai groups fought and caused the government capital to be moved to present Tokyo, that's understandable, right? Yes, it is. Much better. But... Uh, I know. I don't know why, but Japanese people tend to use all these historical characters' names with Japanese pronouns. I'm never going to be understandable to the guests. I mean, yeah. um, in, please imagine your guide speaking out like this
0: for whole day. You know, you wouldn't be interested in hearing it anymore. No, because I'll, tr- I'll try to be remember the first thing you said. So, <laughs> do you have another one? <laughs> mm.
1: And uh, another thing is that we take a lot of Japanese unique manners and etiquette and uh, culture or customs for granted. And we don't realize how unique it is to the Western countries. It is, yeah. And therefore, um, we miss on explaining it properly. And so even if the guest ask us, you know, why do we have to take our socks off to go inside the house? Mm-hmm. Some guys cannot answer why. <laughs> because we've been doing this for whole
0: life, right? Yeah. So, it's a part of the culture that you, you don't realize that for other people is so uncommon. Yeah.
1: That's right. Yeah. So we have to be able to explain, but in concisely. So mm. can you explain us mm, The Japanese house, yeah? From the ideas of Shintoism, which is Japanese religion, outside and inside is clearly separated. And outside is dirty. Yeah. We call it dirty. And then inside has to be sacred with, so the gods can live in our house and keep our house clean. But this this is the origin. Yes. But of course no Japanese people are thinking that way yes. when we take our shoes off. Of course. So there there's the an origin and then
0: there's a custom a you know, usual routines. Beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. That's very nice. Uh Kuku,
1: I hope that's understandable. I, I'm
0: not sure if that was a good example, but no, it is. It is because it is truth. I mean, it's a lot of people, it's like, why and why why people do this? And and then it's it's because it's so common and everybody do it. So I don't need to explain it. coco <laughs> I'm wondering, um, do you have a preferred moment in the Japan history that you like the most? Because it's it's thousands of years of history so and you learn a lot about it but everybody have the preferred moments of the history which one is yours
1: okay 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 i would say mine is around back in about year 1000 (laughs) really why but i have to be a princess (laughs) born as a princess Uh, a lot of Japanese literature mm-hmm. start to grow from that time. Oh. Uh, yes, there are famous woman writers from that time and a lot of poetry making started from that time. And we have so many beautiful poetry arts that is still very difficult for us to learn. And so that's the time. <laughs> um, nice. and, and I guess... The enjoyment, amusement that we had was just viewing the full moon, <laughs> for example. Yeah. So enjoying every season. is season, when I say season, it's not just four seasons in Japan. Mm-hmm. We consider about 72 seasons. <laughs> wow. So every two weeks or so. It's different season, you know. The flower only blooms for about two weeks and changes, right? So you can really tell that every two weeks, the season changes. Wow! And that's how people really enjoy each season and each moment. Beautiful. And it sounds really beautiful. It is. It is. We only know about the the lives of princess and prince (laughs) from the literature because. People were, ordinary people were illiterate at that time.
0: Mm. And which one is your preferred place in the entire Japan? Ah, I have to say Kyoto. Kyoto is (laughs) nice. I really, really like Kyoto.
1: Luckily, Kyoto has, as I said, a lot of historical Mm sites, but also a very good quality Japanese food Ah. because Mm -hmm. this is where it started. Kyoto is a landlocked city. We don't have ocean nearby, Mm -hmm. so all the seafood that were brought into Kyoto were brought in from the ocean side. So it was the skill of the chefs to use that fish to the most tasteful dish. Uh, not disturbing the actual taste of the seafood. And that's how it started. So Kyoto has some, um, probably the larger number of Michelin restaurants in Japan, I think. All right.
0: And the last questions before we go to the best practice moment. If I uh, go to, to Japan, what kind of gift I have to bring back home? What is a special from Japan that I have to bring as a souvenir?
1: Okay. I think you can say two things, Mm -hmm. something very modern Mm -hmm. from places like Tokyo or big cities, Mm -hmm. and then uh, something very traditional. For example, if you go to a place called Tokyo Hands in Tokyo or in the big cities, you have the latest (laughs) (laughs) gadget, And... Japanese people are always looking for something that is more convenient all the time. But we don't do a a big spending. The um, housing, you know, this is so expensive that we don't have, um, usual people don't have a, a lot to spend. So, We love shopping, going shopping for these uh, latest gadgets. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Okay. And then next is probably something from the traditional artisan's work. There are wooden works and bamboo works and all this, but uh, these tend to be slightly more expensive, mm-hmm. but it's a lifetime use. Even something like um, kitchen knives that you can buy in Kyoto, I mean, it's a lifetime, you, know, you can use a lifetime, they will fix it for you also. Or, or the um, lacquerware, if you buy a, a beautiful lacquerware ball, um, please use it every day. And The color changes, the red lacquer changes daily, but it has... The patina, you can really enjoy the patina, the changes of color as you use more and more. And that can be passed down to generations. I still have
0: luck away from my grandmother. Oh, wow. Well, I have to tell you that I'm very happy with the knives I got in Japan. I mean, I'm really, really proud. And its I'm going to recommend to everybody, it's one of the best souvenirs ever you can get from Japan is their knives. It's high quality and every time you go to cook and use them, mm. uh, you feel, you know, you go back to Japan. So it's great. All right. So let's go to our preferred moment, which is the best practice moment. And uh, Coco, I'm going to ask you to share with us, with the, with the audience, something that you think is a best practice, something that uh, you think it's always work, or something that we should do or care about, or maybe a please don't do this thing. Mm-hmm.
1: I believe usually the guides are working on certain cities or the areas that you live in. However, I think it's very important to know and learn about other parts of the country. I'm a guide in Kyoto and the vicinity Naranis area. However, I really try to learn about the very northern Japan or very southern Japan or the local uh, smaller cities or towns and villages that may be interesting for our guests to visit so that there are a lot more to see inside. And you can also compare the differences. For example, even for the lacquerware, is famous in Kyoto, but also there's another area in Kanazawa, uh, further north of Kanazawa, where the lacquerware furniture is um, more famous so if if any of my guests are buying something trying uh, let's see if the guest is buying something in kyoto trying to purchase something in kyoto and if i thought that could be a better thing to buy in another city that they might be traveling i would say that and without that knowledge i wouldn't know right so i always make sure to be able to recommend play or suggest ideas or information of other parts of Japan. I think it's very important to not hold Japan as much as possible. And next, um, and my ultimate goal is to make sure that guests um, feel that they want to return to Japan and this one time trip wasn't enough and that there's so much more um, to see in Japan. So. The information that I learned about other parts of Japan is also used here so that I can explain about other parts of Japan. And I want to make sure that they come, they return. And it's true that a lot of my guests are returning, the, the, the
0: repeaters. Yes. Some of them come every three, four years. Lovely. Thank you, thank you, Coco. Thank you for this. Uh, was was wonderful. Um, unfortunately, we are uh, reaching the end of this episode. And uh, two more things. I want to know what is your contact information. So if people wants to contact you, uh, where we can find you? Okay, I would say
1: Chris Rothan Tours. You can look look under Chris Rothan Tours or www chrisrowthorn.com. Mm-hmm. Usually Keiko Hagiwara is the one who um, replies to all the emails from my guest. Um, however, if you write it to me, I can reply to you. That mail will be forwarded to me immediately. So I can
0: write that. All right. And they, we wrote to you to the same one of uh, Chris. Yes. 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 Perfect. All right. And uh, the last thing I'm going to ask you is uh, if you have any messages for our community.
1: Yes. 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 I know. I know. Um. I know this is a very hard time for us, and I understand that every guide in Japan is having a hard time like me. And now, especially through your programs, I get to hear that guides from other countries are also having the same problem. But um, we are all looking forward to the time when we can start enjoying work <laughs> as we used to. And it's really encouraging to hear about the other guides on your programs. So I want to thank you for letting me be on this and part of it. I think I'm getting more encouragement from other guides.
0: (laughs) Now, thank you, Coco. It's been wonderful. Thank you very much for being a part of this episode. I feel so happy that I, uh, with you, I just get back to Japan for a while. I love your country. It's a beautiful place and I love your culture. And uh, so thank you very much for being in this episode and I hope to contact soon with you again. So thank you, Coco. Thank you as well for the audience for being a part of this episode. And I'll be waiting for you next week from somewhere in the world with another guest. Thank you very much. Thank you, Coco. Bye-bye. Thank you, Nicole. Or as you said, matane, Coco. Matane, Nicole. (laughs) Bye. Thank you for listening through the eyes of the Guide. I hope we've been a good company and I'll be waiting for you next week with another guest from somewhere in the world to share and learn. Stay tuned.